Hello, today is Wednesday, September 13th, and welcome to episode 249 of Fault Lines. As we come to the end of our Summer of AI series, Breaking Barriers, Understanding the AI Revolution. I'm thrilled to be here today with Jennifer Hay, the Director of the Defense Digital Service within the Chief Digital and Artificial Intelligence Office of the Department of Defense, a visiting fellow at George Mason University's National Security Institute. She previously served as the Head of Global Government Relations for Data Robot, Deputy Director for Intel and Security Programs at the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, and as a Senior Advisor to the Deputy Director for Defense Policy and Strategy at the White House's National Security Council. So we're thrilled to be here with you today, Jennifer, and just want to sort of, you know, uh, take you back a little bit. You've had an extensive career working in a number of high-level positions uh, at the DOD, at the National Security Council, at the White House. You've worked in the private sector at Data Robot. Uh, talk to us about your current job, right? Tell us about DDS. You, you've just newly taken on, congratulations, uh, the role of director heading up uh, DDS. Uh, tell us about DDS. Tell us a little about where it came from um, and the role it plays within the CDAO, the Chief uh, Digital and Artificial Intelligence Office of the Department of Defense. Great, Jamil. Thank you. Um, I'm super happy to be here. And just a little bit about DDS. We um, are a team of software developers. Uh, we have uh, engineers, product managers, as well as user design uh, researchers. And our our goal is to bring digital solutions to the Department of Defense. Um, essentially, anybody in, in DOD that has a problem that they think software can solve, they call DDS, and we're essentially a SWAT team that will come in, uh, identify their problem, and provide them with a digital solution. So some of the things that we've done in the past, in Afghanistan, we worked on a um, a text messaging system for the U.S. military and the State Department to be able to communicate with people who were eligible for evacuation very quickly. Mm. Clearly, that was a, pro a situation that went south fast, and DDS yeah. was called to very quickly come in and figure out a way for the U.S. government to communicate with people in Afghanistan. Also in Afghanistan, we built a um, employment verification database uh, for Afghan special immigrant visas to help speed up that process to ensure that people that did work for the Department of Defense uh, while in Afghanistan, um, can they can get their employment validated much faster to speed up the process for their Afghan special yeah. immigrant visa. Uh, we were established in 2015 to really be a landing point for people in the private sector to come work for mm. the U.S. government, to work for the Department of Defense. We were an offshoot of the success of the U.S. Digital Service. And then Secretary of Defense Ash Carter wanted to create an office where he could leverage best practices from the private sector, from the tech sector. Uh, and so we stood up uh, DDS and we come and serve on short-term tours between two and four years to bring in our best practices and deliver those solutions to DOD. Awesome. Well, this is what an amazing capability, right? This idea that we're actually going to take people from the private sector, bring them into the Department of Defense, create workable solutions for the warfighter, uh, for the intel services and the like. I mean, this is really exactly the kind of thing that we've been talking about for years, the kind of things that DOD needs to do. So it's really awesome that you're, you're heading up this shop. So, you know, part of the purpose of our summer podcast series is to talk about artificial intelligence. And I know you've worked in the private sector on these issues as well. Talk to us about the role, if any, uh, that DDS and CDAO writ large uh, play um, in setting the policy and doing some of the, the work uh, for DOD in, in the AI domain, if at all. 
So CDAO's mission uh, is to accelerate DOD's adoption of data analytics and AI solutions across the Department of Defense. So CDAO is a new office. It was stood up last year um, that, and it consolidated uh, five offices that were focused on digital solutions, which was predominantly DDS, as well as artificial intelligence. It consolidated uh, the chief data officer, uh, the Project Maven, which was the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Securities program to use AI um, to analyze full uh, motion video. Uh, it also consolidated the Joint AI uh, Center, which that was that was the big one that that uh, CBAO took over. Um, the Jake, yes. Yep. And um, finally, uh, CDAO also took over the Advana platform from uh, the Comptroller, which is, you know, Advana is a, a data service um, that mm. the Department of Defense can have access to quality data sets as well as off-the-shelf, commercial off-the-shelf products to help them analyze, analyze their data. Cool. So CDAO is really... Um, at that forefront of developing those policies, as well as building the um, capabilities, the, the general capabilities that the department can leverage in order to adopt AI faster. The role DDS plays in this. We're a little, we're kind of an anomaly within the mm. within CDAO because we do focus on on the D in in CDAO, the digital side of things, right. where we're building software solutions. However, the Department of Defense has definitely started to come around to the idea of quality data, data integration, in order yeah. to ensure that they're AI ready when they when they are ready to implement an AI solution. And so DDS has um, taken on a handful of different projects related to, to data integration. We like it mm. because we're focusing on a very specific use case and we're learning those lessons that the rest of CDAO can adopt um, to cool. figure out how best to scale data integration across the Department of Defense. Yeah, and I do want to talk about, about AI policy because obviously that is the hot topic of the day. Uh, but I do want to spend a little bit of time on DDS and your work in the data space because it, it, you know, it's, it's important, uh, as you know. So one of the big debates or one of the big issues we've heard about AI and the like is, um, you know, how solid is the data coming in? How how safe is it? How protected is it? Uh, how can we ensure privacy uh, when when uh, artificial intelligence is being used on large data sets? How how is DDS thinking about uh, both sort of the the cleanliness of the data coming in, right, and the privacy and security of the data um, as you're thinking about it, as the rest of CDAO and the and the rest of the department is thinking about how to apply uh, artificial intelligence to larger and larger data sets uh, to accomplish its mission. So big CDAO is definitely spending a lot of time on on those types of problems to ensure that cleanli cleanliness of the data, um, as well as to apply responsible AI frameworks to to the data that's being used, as well as um, any predictions that would come out of a model being applied to applied to this data. DoD led the way in building um, a responsible AI framework, which is really exciting. In terms of DDS, um, when it, we on our data integration problems, we have a team of data scientists that will uh, deploy to the we deploy them to the problem. Um, they get deployed onto that problem and they help the customer, uh, the customer organization better understand the data, better shape their question to ensure that the data that they, they are using to inform um, their ultimate questions is actually the data they need right. um, and, and help them identify 
spots where it may be less, less than accurate so they can build processes to collect the correct data. Yeah. Uh, another cool thing that DDS is just in the very beginning stages of, of working on uh, with our responsible AI partners is a bias bounty. So DDS uh, mm. led the very first bug bounty inside the Department of Defense. Right. Uh, and we can we did that back in 2016, and we continue to regularly host uh, bug bounties where we ask the general public to find yeah. vulnerabilities in our networks. The Responsible AI Office has partnered with us to use that type of methodology to identify uh, potential bias in in data sets. So we're initially targeting an open source model that that uh, that the DoD leverages uh, to see how this can work, and that is something that we're hoping. Uh, we can scale across across the department as uh, mm -hmm. AI becomes more prevalent. Very cool. Now, as we talk about, you know, biases, this is, again, another topic that's come up a lot in the debates mm -hmm. over AI. Um, and you mentioned uh, biases in the data sets. Is the work that you're doing, is it also uh, biases in the models themselves, the model weights and the like, or is it primarily about uh, ensuring the data sets are free from bias and as a result, uh, ideally the outcomes? Unfortunately, um, many of the projects that we're working on, they are not anywhere close to building any sort of model and gaining and gaining predictions. So uh, my team and even the larger CDAO uh, team is very focused on on the data, uh, getting comfortable yeah. with with data frameworks. Um, so eventually we can get to the point where we can quickly quickly deploy models. There are a couple examples of where models have been have been deployed, um, but DOD still is in the nascent phases of, nascent stage of both understanding the technology and identifying appropriate use cases in which to use AI. Well, this is a great point. So and I think a great, a great uh, opportunity for us to shift to the policy debate, right? So one of the things that I was interested in, because, you know, you've worked across such a range of, of areas and, you know, having previously worked in, in USDI, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence's office, on a lot of policy and strategy issues, then going to the National Security Council, then the private sector all you know, in, in places where AI is potentially going to be used or was actually being used when you're a data robot and, and, and deployed, talk to us about how, uh, how you've seen the development of policy over the years. And I mean, was the, was DOD when you were there in your prior, prior position, was DOD thinking about AI and what are the, was the National Security Council thinking about it? And, and how has that changed, uh, over time? Sorry. Back in 2015, I was actually working for then Sec Deputy Secretary of Defense Bob Work um, and, and then Secretary of Defense Ash Carter. And they started to coalesce around the idea that the Department of Defense needs to modernize and, and innovate. Um, Imagine and that. Yes. And, uh, and acknowledging that, that, that innovation, um, occurred in small and medium sized companies. And they really did a deep dive into what is, what's the next emerging technology that yeah. will, will be a game changer in warfighting. Um, and that became known as the third offset strategy. How does DOD maintain its um, competitive advantage um, in comparison to our adversaries? And that is really when I first saw AI starting to emerge and take hold. Uh, Project Maven came out of the third offset strategy, um, the creation of the Defense Innovation Unit. How do we tap into the private sector? DDS also came out of that third right. offset strategy, as well as, as Ash Carter's Force of the Future initiative, the Jake emerged. But there was this idea that AI could actually, there is value in warfighting 
um, in AI, but we don't know anything about this technology. There's a bunch of these random little startups that are, are using AI. You know, we've heard about, we watch Netflix and so they use AI, but how could that apply to war fighting? Um, right. and so that, so there was a lot of talk, um, and then Project Maven really showed that AI could be used in a warfighting context. Um, and got a lot of people spun up, and really got a lot of people, both in the public and private sector, got a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people spun up. And I will will say that that type of energy around AI has maintained um, since 2015. It's you know, there's a lot of new cool shiny objects that enter the Pentagon that that fizzle out with the change of administration. But as AI is taking hold in the private sector and people, and it's starting to permeate people's um, personal lives, uh, they're recognizing that there is there is a role for this in, in yeah. war fighting. And so the policy community, though, is slow. It has always been to, to our slow followers when it yeah. comes to how do we regulate um, and influence um, new technology. And I do think, I think Europe is light years ahead of the department or light years ahead of the U S government when it comes to thinking about where do we need to regulate and how we need to regulate to ensure confidence in, in artificial intelligence. But I do think that even though the department is very focused on how do we implement AI, um, yeah to ensure com- that competitive advantage um, and that, you know, policy is can- is, is slowly starting to, to catch up with how we uh, responsibly use AI to yeah. ensure that competitive advantage. You know, a lot of people have talked about how far ahead the EU is. They've got the AI Act and the like. There are those who believe, I don't include my, myself in that group, right, where, you know, maybe being ahead in regulation is not the right place to be, right? Yeah. We want responsible regulation, right? But, you know, there's a lot to be said also for the need to ensure innovation, right, here in the United States. And so so stepping carefully, as you know, is, is an important part of that. And I, I want to talk about sort of something that, that I know CDAO has been working on and the like. Um, you guys recently established Task Force Lima, um, you know, and talk to us about what, what that organization is going to do, what its goal is, um, and whether you think, you know, sort of policy is, is, is starting to catch up, really. You mentioned it's getting there, but are we, are we there? When are we going to get there? And I, I'm more interested, you know, put aside regulation for a second. The White House has got that. They're, they're doing their thing. And They've got the principles and, you know, working with the Senate. What's DOD thinking on in terms of AI policy and what's Lima's role, if any, in that whole process? So Lima was stood up to really address the the LLM, the large language model um, issue. It took DOD yeah. by surprise storm, like much All like of us. the rest of the world. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, chat GPT was just this Pandora's box that has been opened up and DOD um, to Dr. Martel's credit, immediately pivoted and said, we need to focus on on how large language models can be used inside the Department of Defense. And so he stood up Task Force Lima to look at that specific issue, that what is the role of LLMs in, in Task Force Lima? Now, he is, um, and the task force is is tasked to identify use cases in which LLMs can be used. That's one of their first missions is, Sure, we can all log into ChatGPT and give it a prompt and see what comes out. But what it, how would we use that in a genuine Department of Defense situation? Would we use it to write policy? Would we use uh, 
things like LLMs or to, to help us write code when we're building software? Would we use it to create our own information operations campaigns in yeah. other countries? There's all sorts of use cases that LLMs may be applied to. Task Force Lima is, is their first task is to work with the private sector and academia to identify what those appropriate use cases are. And then taking those use cases and looking at like responsible deployment of and where and that's how the department wants to in and doctor under Dr. Martel's leadership want to regulate the use of AI is what are deployment criteria that you mm. have a you have a model and this is scalable across any sort of uh machine learning or artificial intelligence model that we have deployment criteria in which a, a, a model can effectively and responsibly be deployed out into the wild. And so Task Force Lima, specifically looking at LLMs, will help inform that yeah. for the rest of CDAO as they build some of those frameworks. And I know we're limited on time, so I've only got a couple more questions, And you know, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on sort of um, the threats that you all see as you start thinking about the deployment of not just LLMs, but all the capabilities that that uh, that these large language models and other AI enabled capabilities bring to bear, both within the department, but you know, with our adversaries as well. How concerned should we be about adversary capabilities, uh, adversary uh, development and innovation in this space? Um, and are we going to be able to keep up, or is this something that's going to empower our adversaries? more than it's going to empower uh, ourselves and, and the department? I don't think it's going to empower the, the our adversaries any more than it will empower us. I do think that our the fact that we are looking at res responsible AI and have invested so much into understanding the capability and then the private sector has in invested and the government has invested um, hundreds of millions of dollars into, uh, into developing artificial intelligence and understanding the capability. And so with that, I do think that we are, um, you know, I think we only have one competitor in this space and that would be, and that would be China. Yeah. So I really do think that it, it brings us a decision advantage that of course our adversaries will be able to leverage as well as they um, learn and start to deploy AI. And it's, it's, you can purchase AI as well. There, there are so many companies out there that yeah. are working on building models that can be purchased. And so it will become accessible to so many more countries um, as it become as it continues to permeate. So I, I do think that it's it will be a, a will level the playing field essentially. But I do think it, I think it's something that we should continue to invest in because it will just improve our decision advantage uh, in conflict when there's so right. many different types of data coming at you that a computer can help sift through all of that information to allow us, allow a human to make a decision faster. Our adversaries will have that same capability. So if they're using artificial intelligence, they're using it creatively, they can in get that decision advantage. There is also, going back to the data and clean data, there are huge risks, especially when it comes to, to large language models, um, to the the data that is being um, used to make those those predictions, and they could inject false data that mm. would allow would create predictions that are um, not trustworthy. And then something to keep in mind is that artificial intelligence isn't designed. Any artificial intelligence isn't designed to get to the truthful answer. It's designed to get to the most likely answer. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it, why it's so important to ensure that quality data is coming in. And our adversaries know that, that if they inject bad data, bad predictions will, will come out. 
Yeah, no, it's a great point. Last question for you, since you've had a foot in the private sector and the public sector, and you're now back serving the country, which we really appreciate. Uh, talk to us about the, the importance of both pub, the public sector adopting and utilizing this capability, but the private sector innovating and continuing to roll forward. How critical is that, both to the mission of the Department of Defense, but also to our national security? So I definitely believe that innovation is occurring in the private sector. Uh, and especially in these small and medium-sized companies, there's a lot of fantastic ideas uh, that are being developed in the private sector that do have that dual-use capability inside, inside DOD. And I really think that DOD's key to success is becoming a fast follower in this private sector technology. That building technology from the ground up inside and DOD being that leader in innovation is just... We're, we're too big, we're too slow, but being able to adopt commercial technology is really something where we should need, we need to leverage that, which means that the Department of Defense really needs to do a hard look at how to become a better customer, uh, working with Congress to help change some of these rules when it comes to software acquisition, uh, that software acquisition is much different than hardware acquisition, and we shouldn't be applying the same rules. And so I do think that they're, they're um, DOD really needs to, to ha take a moment um, and figure out how to become a better customer so they can onboard very quickly that commercial technology that is that is out there uh, and be a partner um, with many sm small and medium-sized companies. Well, amen to that. I mean, I know that there are a lot of companies out there today and a lot of innovators, a lot of investors who, are, who would agree with you on, on everything you said, and a lot of folks in the government as well. So look, thank you so much for being here with us. That's a wrap for our episode and for our Summer of AI series. Thank you for joining us on this deep dive into all things AI. And thanks so much to Ms. Hay for being here with us today. Thanks also to Tatum Clifton, Aiden Pasco, Claude Jennings, and the entire NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode and the entire summer series. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so be sure to check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and, it, and share with your friends and family. And tune in next week, September 18th, as we return to our regular Fault Lines programming the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you up to speed fast three times a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You'll get to hear me, Jessica Jones, Les Munson, and Morgan Vini discuss the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Thanks all. Have a great rest of the week and see you next week, Monday, September 18th, bright and early. Oh.